hear the word of the Lord this morning. Colossians 2, verse 13. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All your guilt, all your shame, the debt of your depravity, Jesus Christ nailed it to the tree. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a day of worship. We thank you for the privilege to come and bow before you and to acknowledge what you have done for us. Just to think about the implications of Jesus' sacrifice. That we can bow today without eternal condemnation. Because Jesus Christ has died to set us free from our sin. And so, Father, speak to us today as we focus our hearts, our minds, our attention upon the Lord's table. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Good morning. It is great to see you today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are so honored to have you. We would invite you to take that bulletin that you received this morning. There is a tear-off on the end, and you would take that, fill it out, uh, just drop it in the offering plate later in the service as it is passed to us. It'll be your gift to us today, and we want to welcome you so much uh, to worship this morning. And while it's on my mind, where is uh, Mr. Bob and Miss Susie? Would the two of you stand for just one moment? Today is Bob and Susie Howell's 60th wedding anniversary. <laughs> 60 wonderful years of marriage together. My wife and I are praying for 60. If my behavior doesn't improve, I'm going to be fortunate for 30. Um, just by way of reminder, a little bit later in our service, we're going to share in the Lord's table together. Uh, what you're going to see before you is a tray with juice cups, and when you take those juice cups, there are actually two cups, and so you'll just take one, and then you'll separate them, and one has your bread, and one has your juice, and we will share these in a few moments. The Lord's table reminds us of the centrality of the cross. That we are not gathered merely as a group of people who share similar values. We're not merely gathered as a group of people who love to sing particular hymns. We are gathered today to remember that the soul basis of your being able to come before God, the sole basis of my being able to come before 
the Father is the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are never more focused on worship than when we focus on the cross. We are never more focused on the cross than when we come to the table. We are never more united as a group of Christ followers than when we share in the Lord's table. If we are not careful, so often we will see the bread and the juice. We will see the table prepared before us when we come to worship and we may sit in our seats and think that this is an experience that we're going to have at the end of the service as if it is an add-on to worship. Dear ones, that is a faulty way of seeing worship. This is the heart of worship. The sole basis of what Jesus has done for you and me is the reason why we can lift our voices and proclaim the greatness of God. This is why we can sing of the deep, deep love of the Father. Let me answer a few questions for us today as we go through this worship service and you may take your Welcome to the family booklets and please turn to page 16. Turn to page 16 and follow along with us. By the way, we have some welcome to the, welcome to the family booklets in the foyer. If you need one, if you'll hold up your hand, we'll bring it to you. All right, here's one over here, Mark, Andy. I want to make sure that you can... Follow along with us today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, Paul says to the church at Corinth, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. In other words, what Paul is telling us here comes from the Lord. It is very likely that 1 Corinthians was actually written before any of the Gospels, written as early as 20 years after the death of Jesus. This passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 could very well be the very first instruction given on the Lord's table, given before Matthew, Mark, or Luke. So this is the Lord telling Paul what happened on that Thursday night. This is the Lord telling Paul about that Thursday night Passover meal that he shared with his disciples. This is the Lord telling Paul about this instituting of a new memorial. And what does he tell us about this memorial? He tells us first that it is a simple act. It's not some elaborate ceremony. He says in verse 23, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. It's a simple act. It's a reminder. 
He says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In other words, both verse 24 and verse 25 tell us that we are to remember. Right? It's a memorial. Just as the Passover was a memorial to Israel, so the Lord's table is now a memorial to the church. Israel, as you will remember, had been in Egypt for 430 years when the exodus finally occurred. Pharaoh did not know Joseph, so he gave no gratitude for the one Jew that had actually saved his very nation from famine. So to Pharaoh, the Jews were nothing more than a a force of slaves, a large number of slaves. And as the Jews prayed for deliverance, God raised one up. God raised up Moses. And God led them out through a series of, of plagues. He broke the resistance of Pharaoh, ultimately after the death of the firstborn in Egypt. But the final plague did not touch the two million Jews in Goshen because they were protected by the angel of death, right? By the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, by the blood being covered over on the doorpost and on the lintel. This Passover feast was instituted as a memorial of God's redeeming love. And now, here is Jesus saying, from now on, you're not going to look back to some unleavened bread in Egypt. You're not going to look back to some Passover meal. From now on, you're going to look to something that's going to take place in just a few hours from now. You're not going to go back hundreds of years as if that is the basis of your memorial. No, from now on, Jesus says, you're going to be looking to the cross. This bread is going to be my body. This blood, this cup is going to be my blood. It is the blood of the new covenant. And so what are we doing today? As we share in the Lord's Supper, we are remembering. And notice the words here. Jesus does not say, do this in remembrance of all that I have taught you. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You and I are gathered here today. In all of our services today, we are gathering to remember Jesus. And what He has done. It's a simple act. It's a reminder. It's a a symbol. In the same way, He took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of of me. We see these symbols before us as symbols of our intimacy with Him. 
It's a statement of our faith. Verse 26 says, whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's not just a memorial. Today is not just a day for me to preach. Today is a day for you to preach. And that's what you're doing when you share in the Lord's table. You are preaching the gospel. You're making known. You're teaching the gospel. And so we might just... We might just say, do you want to know what we believe in this church? Right? If you're here today and you're, maybe you're looking for a church home, you're new to our community, you're wondering who we are and what we believe, today is a great day for you to worship with us because we believe in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ came in the world as God in the flesh to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We believe that Jesus shed his blood on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, as a sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God, as a sacrifice that paid our penalty in full. And by faith in him, when we by faith in him believe, he counts it to our benefit. That's the gospel. That is what we believe. And that's why Paul says, here, keep doing it until he comes. Every time we come to the table, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim this. God loves us. And let me get specific. God loves you. Right? Isn't, that, isn't that what the Word of God teaches us? John 13, it was just before the beginning of the Passover feast and Jesus knew the time had come to leave this world and go and be with the Father. And notice it says, having loved those who were in the world, He now loved them to the end. With His hour at hand, He loved His own to the end. He loved his own to the final goal. He loved his own to completion, to the fullest, all the way to the end. What is the Lord's table? It is a display of amazing love. That's what it is. Amen. Now let's continue to reflect on that amazing love and proclaim together that we are forgiven. Shall we stand?
should take the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table because we share, the Bible says, a very special fellowship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, Paul says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation is the Greek word koinonia. It is a word that is used to describe deep, intimate fellowship that we share in Christ. And so, you know, we come to the table as joint participants, right? Who is it that may receive the Lord's Supper? Only those who are already believers, Only those who are already joint participants in the body and blood of Jesus. This is a wonderful teaching time, by the way, for parents with children. As the plate is passed, you have an opportunity to teach kids, to explain to them that the Lord's table is a participation that we share together. It is a participation of the work of Jesus Christ who shed his blood for our sins.
So how do I prepare myself for the Lord's Supper? Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 and 28. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29 says, if we eat of the bread and drink of the cup without discerning what they mean, right? without examining ourselves, we eat and drink judgment on ourself. An unworthy manner refers to anything that is unworthy of the gospel. It is a not just a statement of our worthiness, it is a reminder of our unworthiness. We do not deserve anything that the gospel gives. It's all grace. To take the Lord's Supper unworthily is to do what the Corinthians were doing. They were being selfish. They were disregarding the needs of others in the church. They were satisfying their own cravings. There was no sense of community. There was no sense of koinonia. There was no fellowship among them. And so the Apostle Paul, by the direction of the Lord, gives a warning to Christians whose attitudes and actions may lack agape love. It is a warning to those attitudes and actions that mock the spiritual unity of the church. We might say Paul is saying this, if by your attitudes or actions you are creating disunity in the church, if by your attitudes and actions you are not glorifying God, then do not participate today. An unworthy manner. Let's, let's just make this as plain as possible. If I treat such a spiritual act as just some common thing. If I treat the Lord's table with carelessness with irreverence in my heart. If I come to the Lord's table with indifference or with unconfessed sin, with superficial attitudes, if I come to the Lord's table and my mind is a million miles away, if I come to the Lord's table and fail to see the forgiveness of God, then I should let the tray pass. What does it mean for you and I today to examine our hearts? It means that I need to understand 
how utterly sinful I am. I should hold nothing back. I should come not only in confession, but with deep, deep reverence and thanksgiving for the cross and for Jesus who gave every single thing that he had. Because if I come to the Lord's table and I do not examine myself, I'm bringing judgment upon myself, not judgment in terms of condemnation, but judgment in terms of the chastening of God upon my life. Dear ones, if you and I come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is saying to us, we are inviting the discipline of God upon our lives. I mean, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Will you allow the Spirit of God to examine your heart today? Will you examine your heart today in terms of confession of sin? Will you examine your heart today in terms of having a transformed mind and living a transformed life? Will you come to the Lord's table today making certain that there are not strained relationships out there that you need to get up right now and go make right before you come here? Will you examine your heart today to make certain that there is nothing hidden before the eyes of God that you are unwilling to lay down before the throne and allow the Spirit of God to cleanse your heart. Dear ones, I believe that this is a very appropriate time for us to just come before the Lord. To just come humbly. To come holy. To come in confession. To come in thanksgiving, but just to come before Him and ask Him to search our hearts. So here, here's what I want to ask you to do. So I'm going to ask you to do something you may have never done before. But I want to invite you today. Take your Bibles, lay them aside. Take your welcome to the family books, lay them aside. Whether you're upstairs or downstairs, I want you to stand up. And I want you to move out into the center aisles and move out into the front. I want you to get outside of the pew if you're physically able. And I want to ask you today, together, right, let's just come before God. Let's come before Him 
humbly. Let's come before Him in the holiest way we know how. Let's come before Him in confession and praise for what He has done. So I want to invite you, if you're physically able, to kneel right where you're standing. And let's come before the Lord. Will you take just a moment today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Will you open your mind and your heart to the Holy Spirit of God? And whatever the Holy Spirit lays before your mind right now, if it's something that needs to be confessed, And confess it to Him. Seek cleansing. Some of you may just need to get up and leave because there's a strained relationship that you need to go make right. The Spirit of God may be revealing some specific things to your heart today. There may be another person in this auditorium that you need to find, you need to seek out. Some relationship that's strained, that needs to be restored. And you may be like those first century believers who needed to have their first love restored. may just take a moment now and just thank him for his sacrifice for you. Acknowledge your unworthiness. Confess your need of Jesus. And praise his holy name today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are no human words of wisdom that we can express to you today that adequately gives you the praise that you are due. And so, Father, we lift up the name of our Savior. And we know that it is only by the finished work of Christ that we can be cleansed and forgiven. That we can have eternal life. That we can have peace and joy and hope. 
And Father, we know we are only going to stand before the throne blameless and with great joy because of what Jesus has done. So Father, strip us of us today and may the greatness and power and glory and majesty of Jesus reign in our hearts, reign in our homes, reign in our churches, reign in this community. We come today, Father, in worship to remember, to preach, to confess. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us such an incredible gift. May we share in the table today as brothers and sisters who are blood-bought, Christ-redeemed children of God. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now our, our deacons will come and serve us the Lord's table today. Overcome my fate, what strife and silence all my sting. But your wounds have paid my ransom. What deep and still my heart says, without will my soul. paid my ransom and what unspeakable mercy has emptied heaven's reserve and what redeemer so worthy has come 
On Monday of this week, um, I had the privilege of some of our folks to go to the garden tomb in Jerusalem. On the last day of our trip to Israel, we, we stood on the Temple Mount that Monday morning. We stood there at Mount Moriah where many believe from that mountain God created man. Many believe that God took dust from the earth and formed man and placed him in the garden and breathed into his nostrils life. And from that very spot, Abraham would sacrifice Isaac. From that very spot, right, the gospel would be the focus as we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, preaching and teaching there at the temple, and later taking his disciples 
to Mount Zion. Not far, actually, from the burial of David. And institute a new memorial. From there, he would leave. He would walk down into the Kidron Valley, over to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and get on his face before God. From there, he would be arrested. He would go through Jewish and Roman courts. He would be beaten and flogged and ultimately sentenced to death. And he would carry his cross outside the city. And there he would suffer and bleed and die. They would take his body, place it in a tomb. And because of his greatness, he would resurrect from the dead. Today we remember what Jesus has done. But we don't remember with an emptiness beyond. No, we know a day is coming when together we will recline at the table with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we will share in the Lord's Supper in a greater way, a meal together with Christ himself.